With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast Tuesday Edition. This is a Tuesday edition. It's very special. Uh, When you download this, if you sort of put it away for 50 years and then put it on eBay, it will be worth more when you sell off all your uh, MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast downloads. So uh, very exciting. It's also very special because I am joined by Albert Breer of The Albert Breer Show. And this is going to be, Albert, I'm terming this our draft preview preview because we are jumping into draft season here and uh we're not going to go super deep in this show but we are going deep in the next couple shows but i brought you on just to talk about some quarterbacks here yep yeah it's exciting man like this is a uh it's definitely a good class to look at and i think what's cool about it is they're all a little bit different and um i think you legitimately have like four guys who you know, we could look back at maybe even five. Like, I guess you go five, like guys that we could look back at in three or four years and say that's the top 10 quarterback in the league. And why did team X, Y, or Z pass on him? So it's definitely like, it's just a, it's just like a intriguing class. Cause, uh, and you can see it in their pro days too, which I've, I'm kind of like a dork. I got it up on the TV now and everything else. Uh, <laughs> but you can see some of the cool stuff these guys are like physically capable of doing. They are all physical marvels, 
And they're also, like you kind of mentioned, they're all really unique evaluations here. These aren't like, you know, it's one thing to have a couple guys who are like three-year starters. Justin Fields probably has the most tape out there. Uh, I mean, look, they there there were people wondering if Zach Wilson should have been the starter last year at BYU this time last year. And uh, now he's he's kind of penciled in at number two at this point. Yeah, and, and, and it's interesting because he sort of came on my radar um, I guess middle of the, the season. I mean, I don't know that I would have been able to really pick him out of a lineup last summer. Um, so he's like the kind mm-hmm. of, you know, what Baker Mayfield was, what Kyler Murray was, what, um, you know, what, uh, what last year Joe Burrow was, where, you know, slowly during the season, you okay, like you start to hear, hey, maybe he's in the second round, maybe he's in the – and then – you know, before you know it, the guys at the top of the draft, and it seems like we have one of those sorts of guys every year. And uh, and yeah, you know what's interesting about him is just, you know, you started to like there was a lot of skepticism at first, and well, he looks small when I watch him on tape. He looks small when you see him on TV. Um, is his arm really that strong? And that's why I think like for him more than the other guys, like the process itself was sort of important, and that. Got, like teams had a chance mm-hmm. to kind of like actually sit down and look at him and see the throws he was making and then the chance to go see him physically and kind of what he looks like. And I know that sounds like a little thing, but it actually isn't. It's a big deal uh, to see like physically like, okay, like how, how is this guy put together? I thought, you know, I think that was like a, a really, really big deal for him. So, you know, you sort of throw him in that category. Oh, and again, it feels like we have one every year now um, of the guy who's sort of, like slowly came into the consciousness of the NFL and rose up the ranks over the course of the year. That is a uh, that is definitely him, and I, I'm glad you brought that up too because you've uh, you've noted this in in uh, your columns in the past couple of weeks here. But uh, a lot of teams are looking at the 2022 class, just you know, keep, keep an eye on mm-hmm. that and. It does not look like a strong class, and it does not look like there are a, uh, are a lot of guys who are going to be available in free agency, especially now that Dak is certainly off the board. Uh, so if you want right. to find your next quarterback and you are, let's say, the San Francisco 49ers, this might be the year where if you were kind of on the fence about whether you were going to jump up or not, this is kind of the year to do it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely created some urgency. You know? And even like if you're like a, if you're like a Carolina, right? Like so... If you don't get him this year and there's not like a guy at that level next year, now Matt Rule could be looking at going into year four, still looking for his long-term answer. You know, um, George Payton in Denver. Like if they just decide to tread water with Drew Locke this year and Drew Locke doesn't wind up being the guy, then there's not another one available next year. Now are you going into maybe 2023, into year three, um, with George Payton not having your long-term guy? I think the best – I think there's like a really direct comp out there um, this class to another class is 2018. Um, and there were a lot of guys in that class like this class that we had sort of heard of for a long time. Now, Baker kind of rose through the ranks. Everybody knew who he was, but like seeing him as an NFL prospect, that took time. But Josh Rosen, mm-hmm. Sam Darnold, um, Josh Allen, those guys have been on the NFL radar for a while. And there was this perception that year, if you look a year beyond, there wasn't much. And you know what, Gary? Like that sort of wound up being true. Right, like if you look at the next year's class, yeah. it was Kyler going first overall, who's like a five foot ten, like I mean, like kind of like a an aberration of an athlete, right? And then mm-hmm. you know Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins. So if you actually look at like the last time this happened, it sort of held true. And you know, like if you, I think if you ask like a team like Buffalo, 
that that acted with a lot of urgency that year and going and getting their guy, like they would say, like, thank God we did, because if we hadn't done that the next year, we might have really been up a creek at that position. And so I think it's the same sort of thing where, like, you know, I don't know, like a JT Daniels or a Spencer Rattler or a Keaton Slovis, you know, one of these guys could wind up really jumping up the board over the next year. Um, but there's no guarantee of that. And without really having mm-hmm. a guy where you're looking at a year ahead of time and saying, okay, like like Justin Herbert was going into 2019 or like, you know, Trevor Lawrence was this year, without having like at least one guy where you're looking at and saying that guy's going to be at the top of the draft next year, like going into a season, <clears throat> it's sort of scary because, you know, for a lot of these teams you're looking at and you're seeing like, it's like a two-year outlook where we don't know what we're not sure what could ha- what could happen, and so I think that's why you're seeing some of the same urgency, and it's I think it's at least notable that if you go back to 2018, you see four of the five quarterbacks that went in the first round that year were subject of trades up, right? The Jets traded up for Darnold, mm-hmm. the Cardinals traded up for Rosen, the Bills traded up for Allen, and the the Ravens traded up for Lamar. So I want to ask you about the other three guys real quick. Yep. Uh, we're kind of ignoring Trevor Lawrence here. I mean, that's that's uh, yeah. that's just about etched in stone, right? With uh, Trevor Lawrence going to Jacksonville at this point, right? We don't need to break down the. Injury. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the 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 other three. Uh, I do want to start with Justin Fields. One because you are the uh, uh, I don't know the, the the foremost expert on Ohio State football, but. Uh, <laughs> I still think, and look, these are my unprofessional rankings. Uh, I still think Justin Fields is QB2. And I want to put this in front of you real quick, because on one hand, obviously, if you're an Ohio State quarterback, like Justin Fields was, you benefit from the talent around you. And and you're going to be playing with guys who are better than all the guys who lined across you in the Big Ten, and that's just the way it is. Yep. On the other hand... I don't think that's an offense that does a ton of favors for the quarterback. I I, I don't want to say it's not quarterback friendly. There just there aren't a lot of like layups or it, it's not a ton of RPO type stuff. Um, I think it's a, uh, it, it's a lot of option routes. It, it's yeah. it's it's a lot of option routes, which by design you kind of have to hold the ball a little bit longer. And and again, tons of talent, but uh, uh, I I think it's. I, I think it's one that just doesn't give him a lot of gimmies when it, when it's all said yeah, and done. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I like it's sort of like I guess with all you know the, the you know three at least three of the guys um, this year in, in Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence and then Justin Fields. All three of them were you know ninety five percent of the games they played in, their teammates were better than the other team's players, right? Like, and and in yeah. most cases, significantly mm-hmm. so. So that's definitely part of the equation. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that there's definitely been a shift in what Ohio State um, was and what it's become going from Urban Meyer to Ryan Day. And they do a lot of they do a lot more pro stuff. And so Justin was sort of uh, Justin was part of that transition and, and Ryan Day going from offensive coordinator to head coach. Um, I do think if you talk to people there, they will tell you like he just needs to play more. He's a multi-sport athlete in high school. Um, you know, he like has been able, you know, his whole life to get away with being the best athlete on the field. He plays hero ball a little bit too much, but I look at that stuff as like you can coach that. You know what I mean? Like, like you can't coach four four in the forty. You can't coach the throws he can make. 
I think you can coach the stuff that he needs out. Like, you know, you can, you can, you can coach his tendency to hang on to the ball too long and try to do something ridiculous. You can coach that out of him. Right. Um, there are a lot of things he has that you can't coach. And so, you know, does he need some work? Yeah. But he's been asked to do some things that are going to assimilate pretty well to the NFL. And can he do them better? Sure he can. But at least he's sort of been broken into some of that. And, you know, now I think it's just going to be sort of a matter of, like, how does Justin Fields adjust his game, adjust the way he works too, to mm-hmm. ha- being on a field where athletes are much closer to what he is. The guys that are trying to knock his head off are going to be obviously, you know, a lot closer athletically to where he is. Trey Lance, uh, uh-huh. I, I I don't really have hesitancy because the FCS thing, I, I think we've seen, uh, yeah. I mean, we saw Carson Wentz was, whatever you think of Carson Wentz now, Carson Wentz was ready to play as a rookie uh, a couple years ago. Uh, obviously, you're looking at small sample size, though, with, with, with Trey Lance and uh, one game last year, so... Uh, I don't know. I, you look at the tape, you see some anticipatory throws that, that he'll be making in the pro game. I like him a lot as a prospect. I like all four of these guys. I mean, if we're being honest, I like all four. Uh, yeah. uh, what better? I, I like him better than Tua, um, were I the Dolphins, but that is maybe just me. But um, I like Trey Lance. I guess maybe you're looking at a half-season red shirt or something like that, but um, I think he gets on the field in, in 2021. Yeah, and I think he's like – so it's interesting, Gary. Like I go back to – you know, and I make calls over the summer, and, and generally I'll do like a, a column in the summer that like looks at the next year's quarterbacks. And um, so I try to like kind of kind of educate myself, I guess, on, on what each guy, each guy is. And when I started to make calls on Trey Lance, I don't know, it was probably like June of last year, and you see the outrageous stat line. I think it was 28 to, to nothing, right? Like the touchdown-interception ratio. Yeah. Yep. Um, his redshirt freshman year, and they go 16-0. and 0, So zero losses, zero interceptions, right? Like um, the one year he played, mm-hmm. you know, you sort of like, like – like you start to kick around a little bit. And the one thing that came up that was really interesting was – and this was from multiple scouts. He'd be a perfect fit for Kyle Shanahan's offense because of how good he is throwing on the move because he can think on his feet. Because, you know, he is able to throw at all three levels. Like, and so I think, like, just, you know, it's again, it's a little bit like Justin. And I think all these guys, right? Like, Mac Jones has 17 starts. Trey Lance has 17 starts. Justin Fields has 22 starts. Like, generally, you'd want a guy to have more games under his belt than that. Um, But, you know, I think that there are certain things with Trey Lance, like, where, you know, he's he's going to just need the experience of seeing more things. So similar to Fields where he just needs to play more. Uh, but, you know, like I said, with Fields at Ohio State, the things they do at North Dakota State, like they're give him a baseline. And I think so for certain types of offenses, I think he really will fit. I don't know that he's as loose of an athlete. Like you hear he's a little stiff. Like, so I don't know if he's as loose of an athlete as Zach Wilson is or as Justin Fields is. Uh, but you know mm-hmm. the word that you kind of the word that comes up with him, and I think this is where the Josh Allen c- comparison comes in, is explosive. Like right, like so. What does that mean? Well, you know, maybe he's not going to make the wild off balance throw, um, or you know, maybe he's not going to you know juke someone out of his shoe out of their shoes, but he sure could blow by people, and he sure can dr- drive the ball downfield. So everything about him, like what you hear, is everything about him is explosive. 
And, um, you know, so I, that's why I think there's like an interesting Josh Allen comparison there where, you know, you, you saw Josh coming out of Wyoming and the circumstances were completely different because, you know, like, I mean, Josh Allen, like at Wyoming, had to win a lot of games by himself. And so I think that's why you saw some of the crazy stuff you saw. Whereas like, you know, on a lower level, but similar to, to Lawrence Fields and um, and uh, to, to Lawrence Fields and Mac, and like, I mean, and Mac. No, not not Wilson. But the, but the other three, like like ninety five percent of the time, Trey Lance, his teammates were better than the guys that they were playing against, right? Because North Dakota State at that level is dominant, you know. So like, I think yeah. it's 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 one of those too. So um, yeah, I mean, like the way I see it, like with him, like there's just you know, and that would be the difference between him and and the tape on him and the tape on Allen. But, you know, I think just an explosive athlete you see that that actually like is a stylistic fit already for a certain type of of, of NFL offense, which I mean, part of that, I mean, it makes like the, the Niners moving up to three really interesting because I do think there's going to be a lot of things about Lance that intrigue Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, are we sort of uh, reading the tea leaves? Is that our best guess right now that the 49ers are coming up and uh, getting Trey Lance, assuming that Zach Wilson goes, uh, goes two? <sighs> yeah, I mean... Look, there's a lot about Mac Jones that matches up. Um, there's a lot about Mac Jones that matches up with uh, with with what Kyle Shanahan has won with in the past. And I mean, the three names everybody's going to pull out right now are are uh, you know Matt Schaub, Kirk Cousins, and and Matt Ryan. And there are some similarities there. Um, so I think the Mac Jones thing is real. Like I think they're I think the Niners are going to look at it. My understanding is they haven't made a final decision on anything, and that was part of why they wanted to do the deal as early as they did, because they so they would have a month where they didn't have to sneak around, you know, getting to know these guys that they could actually mm-hmm. just you know put their cards on the table. We're here, and now we're going to take a very thorough look at each of them. But I do think that, like from a you know stylistic standpoint, especially with you know Jimmy Garoppolo with 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 their approach that we're going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster for another year. I think you, I like. I know their model was Kansas City, like where it's like let's have Jimmy Garoppolo here for a year, and then you know the same as it was with Alex Smith in Kansas City. We'll turn the reins over a year from now, and we will hope that our guy played well enough that we can get some real trade value back for him. Um, that would be a perfect setup for for Trey Lance, and I know that people feel like Mac Jones is more ready to play um, coming from Alabama. Um, and if that's really true, right? Like, which I'm not a scout, I don't know. Um, but you know, if that's really true, then I mean, the idea that you hold on to Jimmy Garoppolo would actually probably help you with a Trey Lance, and may actually, I, I guess, kind of point. I guess you know, score like a point on 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 Trey Lance's ledger there, and saying like, yeah, like that makes some sense that. If you're going to draft a guy like Trey Lance, coming from one Double A, has only played one game over the last 14 months then, yeah, it would make sense to approach it and say, let's hold on to Jimmy for a year. Let's give Trey a chance to develop. And if he comes along faster than we think he he will, you know, maybe we get to August, we have a decision to make, and maybe we trade Jimmy then. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. As far as Mac Jones goes, uh, I mean, look, the guys, the, the guys we've seen really break out in recent years have been the traits guys, uh, Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. Uh, Mac Jones is probably not in that class. I don't, do you have a sense of, of how far back he lags as far as just the physical traits go. Uh, and is that the comp? Is is yeah. Kirk Cousins the comp or or uh, Matt Ryan the comp for him? Yeah, I think Matt Ryan's a decent comp. Um, you know, the weird thing is, like, it's just, it, like, it's like kind of like a rough look for Mac Jones. I mean, you know, we're taping this on Tuesday afternoon, and Mac Jones and Justin Fields just 
um, finish their pro days. And it's kind of like comical looking at the body types against each other. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, you're looking mm-hmm. at two completely different type of, types of athlete. And, um, you know, what you hear with, what you hear with Mac Jones is he's got a good enough arm, right? He's got enough athleticism. You're not hearing that with the other guys, are you? You don't hear the word enough a lot with other guys, do you, Gary? You, yeah, like, I mean, you I hear think enough the bar, constantly. <laughs> you know, you hear enough constantly. With, the bar has changed a little bit. Yeah, so like you see, like athletic enough, enough arm, and you know it's interesting because I kind of feel like this way. You know, like so when people compare shorter quarterbacks to Drew Brees, I really feel like you're like threading the needle there, right? Like it's like there was like one of those guys, like and like he was like unbelievably competitive and unbelievably accurate and unbelievably football smart and went to the exact right place in new Orleans and played for the exact right coach. And he's indoors and all this stuff. Right. And I sort of feel the same way when people compare guys to Brady, like how many of those are there? You know what I mean? Like you're really threading the needle when you're like, and I've heard the comparison with Mac to Brady and it's like, you are really like a lot of things have to go right. You know what I mean? Like and a lot of like the intangibles are going to not only have to check out now, but check out over like a 10, 15 year period. Um, you know, I just, that's the thing about him now. Like, you know, I mean, Kyle Shanahan like believes in his system and he wants somebody to run his, like wants somebody to run his, run his system a certain way and wants somebody who will play within structure and that's a huge reason why he liked Kirk so much. And I, I don't know that, like, to me, like, that was sort of the issue, some of the issue with Jimmy was Jimmy freelances a little bit. And, I, you know, I know that they sort of, you know, like that was part of the reason why, like, God, like, he's freelancing, he's getting hurt. And, you know, so, like, that's where the Mac Jones thing makes sense to me with Kyle is that, like, Mac Jones will, play, will, will run the offense as a structure to be run. And, you know, you hear the way the guys at Alabama talk about him, um, what Sark has said to teams about him, um, and what, like, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle have said that they'd prefer him to Tua Tungavaloa. Like, all of that stuff checks out. It's just, I think the question you have here is, like, is the margin for error with Mac Jones? Like, does everything sort of have to hit perfect for it to work for him? Whereas with some of the other guys, like a Trevor, like a Zach, like a Justin, like a like a tray, do those guys have a little bit more margin for error where they can make it happen for the first two or three years of their career with their athleticism, get by with that, which will buy them time to develop. I was going to say the idea of a high floor quarterback prospect has really sort of been turned on its head the, uh, the last couple of years here. It's strange, isn't it too? Like you think about it, like it's really, I don't know. Like I, I, I remember thinking this in the middle of the year, I wrote something on it, like it was short, but I wrote something on it. It was like, you always thought of like, like I almost had like a, and I don't know if you were this way, but like I always had like this bias and maybe it goes back to like Jamarcus Russell or whatever, but like I always had this like bias against the guy who's like six, five and can run and has a huge arm. And like, I was almost like conditioned to think that that those things don't work out. You know what I mean? And then we have Mahomes, and then we have Josh Allen and then we have Justin Herbert. And it's like, well, you know what? Like now, like, like it's definitely changed the way that I look at these guys. There's no question. No, absolutely. I mean, the, the idea of 
you know, uh, looking at a guy and saying like, well, here's your game manager. Like, well, your game manager might not be able to play at all when it comes down right. to it. You can you can solve problems with the other guys who can sort of create their own time and space here. And uh, that's that's kind of where the, the game is going. I mean, I just, you know, and you sort of wonder, it's like, is Mac Jones, and this is where like the Andy Dalton thing comes out. And I think Andy Dalton is unfairly slandered and is just fine as an NFL quarterback. Like, got the Bengals <laughs> to the playoffs, and they and they had never come close to this level of success. Got to the Bengals to the playoffs five years in a row, his first five years in the league. But I think that sort of tells the tale on Andy, right? Like, which is, like, is Mac Jones the quarterback that you're going to be really happy with in year one, but you're looking to replace in year four? Does that make sense? It does. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're really, ha- you're really happy with him to begin with, but then – four or five years down the line, you're sort of, do we need to go and get another one? Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, let's look at basically which teams are going to uh, be in the market for these guys come uh, come draft day here. And, and, you know, a couple of variables out there right now, but it, it looks like this, this might, as far as the veteran quarterback moves go, we might be sort of locked in with what we have here. So we know the Jaguars at one, we know the Jets uh, at two, or if they go elsewhere, they will trade out of there and some will come up to two. And we know the 49ers at three. The Falcons are the team that interests me. Obviously, Matt Ryan can still play. They might look at him and say, well, this guy's got a good three or four years left. So why why do it now? But um if you if you had to make the call now, what's what's your sense on what the Falcons do? I think they take one. Um, you know, I I just think again, like I sort of do the math on these things, and it's like you're picking fourth overall. You don't plan on being bad for for two for your first two years, right? Like maybe year one, they got to clean out the cap, everything else, but you're not planning on being bad for your first two years. So you're picking fourth overall. You don't know what the landscape's going to look like next year with the quarterbacks, which I think has to be a factor for everybody. And, you know, you're looking at the landscape here, and if Justin Fields falls in, I mean, either Fields or Lance is going to be there for him, presumably. Um, and two, I would say, you know, whatever, two of the three, Fields, Lance, Mack, like two of the three are going to be there for him. Like, you know, and, and, and this is a chance to, like, have a smooth transition where you have Matt Ryan still on the roster and the young guy can learn from him and you can kind of have a natural, like, handing off of the position. It just makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Here's the other thing. They've done all the work that the Jets have done. They've done all the work that the Niners are going to do. They've done all the work that the Panthers have done. Like, if you look at, like, the delegations, and this year the delegations matter – because the schools are only allowed to have you're only allowed to have three guys at each pro day, right? And look at who's sending their general manager and their head coach and their offense. Like, if you look at it, it's like the Falcons are doing as much work as the Jets are, and I'd say even more so because their head coach has been at every one of these, right? So, like, I just think if you read those tea leaves and you see the work they've done, and you look at the landscape the next two years, and you figure if you're Arthur Smith. You know, maybe you kind of like figure, all right, well, you know, maybe we're going to be four and 12 this year because we had to kind of clean up the cap a little bit. Are you sure as hell don't want to bank on being four and 12 in 2022? I, like, I just like add all of that up. And I just, unless they really just don't like the class, which I, I think is unlikely, 
I think the likelihood is they take one. And if they don't take one, because I think they have to, you know, add some young, cheap talent to the roster because of that cap situation, I think that they have to look at moving out, uh, whether it's Carolina, which would be hard to do because it's in the division, or Denver, the Patriots, whoever it is coming up. Like, I think that they would have to look at the idea of trading out. So I think for, you know, whether it's the Falcons picking one there or another team coming up for it, it seems a likelihood now that this will be the first draft ever where it's, you know, quarterbacks one, two, three, four. Yeah, I was going to say that's that's a tough spot for Carolina if, if the Falcons aren't going to do a deal there at four. And like you said, maybe the Falcons don't want to get out of there anyway. But, um, boy, this is a – it's a fascinating quarterback class. This whole draft class in general, it's uh, it's it's plenty of help for offenses here. You, you got another billion receivers coming in, which I guess will be the the norm year after year at this point. You even have a good offensive line class for the first time in, I don't know, like 30 years. Yeah. I mean, the receivers are really interesting to me because it's like I already hear – you already hear about next year's receivers, which is the same way it was last year. And it's just – it's fascinating mm-hmm. because I think that there's – there's definitely something bigger at work here, which, I mean, we could do a podcast on that alone, how seven on seven, how the game's being played in high school, how coaches are putting their best, best athletes at receivers. So you're seeing that have an effect on what the NFL is getting, the way you know college offenses work. Like, There's a very real reason why there are so many great receivers there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this wasn't, I don't think this is a one or two year thing that we've got these receiver classes that are great at the top and then deep after that. All right. Albert, thank you for uh, joining us. You have Nick Casario on the Albert Breer show this week. And by the way, that features Albert Breer as well as on that show. Uh, That comes out every Wednesday, but it's a special Tuesday episode. We have three Tuesday episodes in the MMQB podcast family this week. Uh, Between this one, the Weekside podcast has a show out, and uh, Albert with Casario. It's not too much either. Lots of stuff going on. Absolutely. Uh, Albert, we will uh, we'll talk to you later in uh, draft season here. All right. Thanks, Gary. The MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast is Albert Breer and me, Gary Grambling. We are produced by Shelby Royston, SI's executive producer of podcasts, is Scott Brody. Mark Mravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB, and Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed as well as the feeds for the Weekside Podcast and the Albert Breer Show. They're all for free on Apple Podcasts. And once you do subscribe, please leave a rating and review for all of them. It really does help other people find the shows, which are also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host 
of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.